Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks. And take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? Sack City. Welcome into another edition of the Sack City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukesia Mukes. It is a beautiful September September 12th morning here in the city. Episode 80 is about to kick off, and we had all all sorts of kickoffs yesterday as week one. Pretty much wrapped up. We do have a Sunday, uh, Monday night game tonight between the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. But we saw tons of action yesterday, including some wins and some losses and some losses from teams that have some fans that have been very passionate against us on YouTube, saying that their team's going to show out and defending their team which rightfully so that's right you're for, you are you are entitled to defend your team whenever you want but Aaron you had some uh, interesting battles with some fans on YouTube lately huh yeah uh, they were interesting um and just yeah yes I'm in a bed yes it's seven in the morning here on the west coast I'm not on the east coast today so it's a little bit a little bit different for me I'm in a quieter voice I'll probably be a little bit calmer today uh, as my family tries to get some sleep but yes those fans know I'm coming and I can I can still get at people in a quiet tone of voice and then make them sound silly. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited. But it is a somber day here in the Mukes household. I will will not lie. Uh, tough game last night for my Dallas Cowboys. Uh, tough injury news. Tough loss. Um, definitely puts the season into a little bit of different perspective as we head into week two. So a lot of things already changed in week one. Some things didn't change for teams. But there were a lot of things that I took away from week one. And I'm excited to talk about them. Yep. Yep. Coming up in a little bit, we will recap every single game uh, from the week one NFL Sunday slate. But first, let's get in to a little morning headline. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. We've only got one little morning headline note this this this. Yeah. One little morning headline note. 
Uh, a lot more injury news today, so we'll kind of roll through morning headlines. Uh, Lamar Jackson reportedly turned down a six-year contract worth $133 million guaranteed, which is more than quarterbacks like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. The offer was rumored to be close to nine hundred or $290 million total, but the guaranteed money was not enough, according to the rumors uh, Chris Mortensen came out and, dr- and dropped the news about him declining the six year $133 million guaranteed money. So Lamar Jackson is looking like he's going to be franchise tagged at the end of the season or in the off season. If they cannot reach a deal, he'll still be a Baltimore Raven. But Aaron, do you think Lamar Jackson was smart to decline uh, this rumored offer of six years, roughly $290 million? Yeah, well, I think this is all a result of Deshaun Watson. I, I really think when you get $230 million guaranteed and you haven't even been able to play, you've been suspended now for 11 games. I think that's what Lamar is basing it on. I think Lamar is saying, I want more guaranteed money because of the fact that, look, there's a quarterback that hasn't done the things I've done, hasn't been a league MVP, hasn't won in the playoffs, like, and $230 million was what he was given. So I think that's really what this is about. Um, I think Lamar wants to get closer to that number. I don't know if he gets all the way to that number, but I do think he gets closer to that number as the negotiations progress. Uh, I, that To me, that's all it's about. Is he just wants to make a statement that says, this guy is not playing. I am playing. I'm an MVP. Uh, my money should be guaranteed. And I think a lot of NFL players are going towards that route of more guaranteed money. The rest of the contract really doesn't bother them. How they, however they want to structure it, just make sure I get my guaranteed money. Yeah, so it was $133 million guaranteed, not even really close uh, to that Deshaun Watson number. So if Baltimore wants to keep their franchise quarterback happy, uh, they will start to creep closer to that dollar amount to make Lamar Jackson uh, stick with the franchise for the foreseeable future. But I don't see I don't see them really falling off. I don't see I don't see this deal not getting done. I think these two sides know what they want. I think they'll eventually reach that. uh, And Lamar Jackson will stay a Baltimore Raven. That does it for our morning headlines. And of course, our morning headlines is brought to you by Manscapes Body Wash. Get your Manscaped Body Wash today. Their ultra premium body wash is infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your body feeling fresh and clean. I've read that ad so much that I just memorized it. I, I did not even read that off of the, the, the doc that we have uh, so that we do this enough. Uh, get your Manscaped Body Wash today, though, and use that promo code SACCITY at checkout to save 20% off. Let's get into the injury report. yeah that that, the injury report is always fun i love that little little intro and it was a sad sad day for some injuries for some really good players that we thought we're gonna have some key pieces uh we're gonna be some key pieces to the nfl this season starting with dak prescott it's going to require surgery on his thumb uh, on his throwing hand and uh it's looking like six to eight weeks now for dak prescott uh, that's going to be a big blow, obviously, the Dallas Cowboys, despite playing the way he played last night and that offense looking the way it looked. The Dallas Cowboys, I talked about it before, without Dak Prescott, they don't have much of a chance. So um, there's going to be some interesting things they're going to have to figure out there. Uh, but Dak Prescott out right now, timetables, the tentative timetable is six to eight weeks. He'll have surgery on his thumb. Cooper Rush 
should start next week. Chris Godwin, same matchup. He injured his hamstring on this play here. Looked like he kind of hyperextended his leg there to get that one. Pulls up a little lame. It's just a hamstring injury, which is great news. It's not something more severe, but that's going to be some time uh, he's going to miss on the field. And it, again, this is what it happens when you've been on. Are you coming back from an injury, soft tissue? You haven't really been able to be in, be in action. And then that that happens there. So tough news for, for Chris Godwin, but uh, hopefully he'll be back soon. Uh, other wide receiver notes, uh, Keenan Allen, also with the hamstring injury, um, he came out and was optimistic about the injury, but they play a short week Thursday night. They play against Kansas City. It's going to be a tough loss for them because I doubt he'll be able to play. Um, so we'll see how quickly he can get back. He's supposed to have an MRI today. Um, I just got word from Adam Schefter. He just texted me personally. Uh, they supposed to have an MRI <laughs> today. Um, on the Steelers, for the Steelers, two big injuries there. Najee Harris injures his ankle. And then TJ Watt reportedly suffered possibly a torn peck and we'll get a scan again as well today. Um, that's huge for the Steelers. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about that win that, that happened yesterday, but losing their best defensive player and arguably their best offensive player um, in one game is going to be, is going to be tough for them. So they'll have further evaluation to see if they can get back as soon as possible. In that same game, T Higgins also went out with a concussion um, didn't have much production early, gets hit in the head, head hit the ground, had a concussion, had to leave the game, did not return. Uh, Giants rookie wide receiver Wandell Robinson suffered a knee injury. It doesn't appear to be too serious, but um, Giants lack weapons. They need all the weapons they can get. Him being out for any length of time could hurt them. Um, <laughs> Mac Jones. <laughs> the rumor is that Mac Jones suffered a back injury. I believe it's just because Belichick didn't want him to talk to, media, to the media. Um, but he's supposed to have further evaluation. He did get hit hard on that fumble, uh, picked up for a touchdown. Uh, so we'll see about his back, quote unquote back injury. Anytime you don't, you're not really hurt. You just say it's a back injury, right? Cause there's no way to diagnose a real back injury. Like you can say, Oh, my back hurts and nobody will know what it actually means. Um, so Mac Jones will have to figure that out, but yes, yeah, uh, tough news for the Patriots there. And then Jawan James left tackle of the Ravens. Um, he's out for the year. Suffered a, a, a torn Achilles on Sunday, and that was after the starting left tackle wasn't playing. And now you have um, him suffering this Achilles injury, so he'll be out for the year. Tough news for the Baltimore Ravens there. Again, week one injuries, a lot of news. I'm sure guys are going to come out and be banged up week, you know, later in the week, and you'll notice that some things kind of lingered or tweaked uh, um, after the game that we're just told about today and tomorrow. Uh, so I expect a little bit more news to come out later this week, but yeah. Um, some pretty big injuries there in week one for, to some pretty uh, notable guys. Yeah, I feel like as the season progresses, our, our morning headlines will become shorter and shorter and our injury reports will become longer and longer. Coming up after this commercial break, we are going to dive in. We're going to be diving in to our takeaways from week one, what we learned, what we didn't want to learn from the biggest disappointments and our top performers. Oh, I deleted it. Oh, no, I didn't. Ha ha. This season preview is brought to you by Manscaped's brand new ultra premium two in one shampoo and conditioner. This luxurious lather cleanses and nourishes in just one step. Using coconut water, green tea and aloe. This non greasy daily formula is naturally hydrating and rich in antioxidants to revitalize the look and feel of your hair. So head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code SACCITY for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. The new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner from Manscaped. Take care of hair everywhere. Everywhere? 
everywhere. Get your Manscaped products today. Use that promo code SACCITY at checkout to save 20% off. Week one is almost in the books. Sunday is in the books for football. Uh, Aaron, first Sunday of the season. What are your biggest takeaways from all the action that took place yesterday? You are on mute. See, I knew that would come in, in handy with the fan and all that stuff. Um, my biggest takeaway here, and this may ruffle some feathers, maybe maybe not, I, was the coaching, and not in a good way. There was some poor coaching, and I know I harp on this a lot, but I am a coach. I love to look at the game from that perspective. There were some poor coaching decisions throughout yesterday. Um, I can point out a few of them. Lovey Smith taking fourth and three from midfield with 29 seconds left, punting to take the tie. I mean, you're the Houston Texans. You haven't won in a few years. You're trying to rebuild. You go for it there. And we and, and we you saw. Don't get it, oh, sorry. I ain't done yet. I, I'm, I'm sorry, not done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. done yet. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. You just have to go for it there. If you don't get it, you can still stop the Colts before they get into field goal range. I thought that was a very, very poor decision. Um, the the Tennessee Titans and Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel, we talk about how good he's been coaching. He cost them that game, or maybe it was Ryan Tannehill. I don't know. But he cost them that game on a second down, decides to do a quarterback, whatever you call that, loses three yards just to run to the other hash line. And guess how much they missed that field goal by? About two yards to the left. And I called it when it happened. I said, that is the dumbest play. You don't go backwards. If you want to hand it off and go forward, whatever, but you can't go backwards there. Um, cost them that game. Uh, there were just a, num- a, a couple of games that went into overtime. Even in the Pittsburgh game, some of those teams were settling for field goals in overtime. And how many times did we see missed kicks? How many times are we going to watch it and – these coaches are going to continue to not go for touchdowns to win games. And um, it, they, they played lazy. They are, they coached lazy. They coached scared. It was a problem. And then you get guys like Brian Dable who says, you know what? We are the giants. We suck. We have not been very good. We have Daniel <laughs> Jones. Who's an absolute turd and we're going to go and we're going to try to win this game. And you know what? If we lose, we lose, but we're going to go for it. And I thought that was a big win. I just thought the coaching all around the time management, all that stuff. It was just, it was, it was bad for the most part from a lot of coaches that I didn't expect it to be bad. And um, it was disappointing, but it's early in the season for them too. I hope, I hope they can figure it out. That was my biggest takeaway was just the coaching and the schematic things of, of when they're running stuff. And um, I had a lot of question marks. I could go through every play, but that would take <laughs> me this entire show. Yeah. I think, I think we saw it. It's It was convenient that we saw it almost like on the flip-flop with uh, Lovey Smith deciding not to go for it on fourth down in overtime. Uh, and then just maybe an hour or so later, you saw Brian Dayball uh, take the Giants and say, you know what, I'm going to put my balls in the wheelbarrow and go for this and get the dub uh, against the Tennessee Titans and pull off the upset. Um, I, I don't know. I just I, lo- I look at those plays and I'm like, okay, at the end of the season, it's like, at the end of the season, if you're the Houston Texans, you're not like, we talked about this in the off season, actually, like you're not going into the season thinking you're going to be three and four, three and 14. Like you're, you're not, you're not going into the season thinking you're going to lose. So I can see the logic behind Lovey Smith saying, okay, I'd rather play for the tie and have that for our confidence moving forward rather than taking the L. But I, I do see your point as a team like the Houston Texans who have been, 
notably at the bottom of the barrel for the past few years, uh, take your shot. But I, I don't, I just don't know how, like, I feel like, I feel like this tie does more moving forward for the Houston Texans than a loss to the Indianapolis Colts would be because now they're tied. They still have a chance to like technically a a tie. Let me be very clear. I don't care if it was the Houston Texans or the Kansas city chiefs or the Buffalo bills. Every team in the NFL should have went for it in that situation. It's fourth and three from midfield with 29 seconds left. This is the point when you say you can't trust your defense now. That's exactly what that tells me. It's a lack of confidence in coaching of that defense because then you say, okay, if we don't get it, the Colts are going to beat us. And my thought process was like, no, if the Colts, if you don't get it, you just stop the Colts and you still end up with a tie. And they had played great defense all day long for the most part. They had the Colts had three points until the last, what, six minutes of the game. So, um, or whatever it was. I, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was scared and use coach scare in the NFL. I don't care whether you're a great team or a bad team, you are going to lose games. And you, to me, it was indicative of Lovey Smith saying we're, we're settling for a tie because I don't feel very confident about my team. That's what it told me. And that was where that was bothersome. And I like Lovey and he coached a hell of a game up until really the, yeah. the end of that game. But um, I, I just, I was so disappointed in that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can see that. I, I, I can see that. I think my biggest takeaway from the Sunday action was that these new wide receivers in their new homes are, or like I asked the question in our, in our uh, week one previews for some of these games, how long will it take for these new receivers to get acclimated with their, with their uh, new quarterbacks? Not long at all was the answer. You look at the top performers, at least from the wide receiver position. Uh, most of the notable names are those names that went to new faces. Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, and Christian Kirk, most notably dominating in their games. Um, and it's just it was something that was was special. I do see uh, Devonte Adams uh, stats are wrong or AJ Brown stats are wrong in that. Um, but either way, these new wide receivers. Yeah. N- Devonte Adams and AJ Brown did not have the same statistics. AJ Brown did not have a touchdown in this game. Um, but what? You're on mute again. I can't hear you. No, I, I didn't say anything. I was just shaking oh. my head. Sorry. Oh, like- word. Um, but yeah, so it doesn't, it's looking like these wide receivers in these new places are, it's not taking them a while to get adjusted to their new quarterbacks. Uh, we saw Devontae Adams reconnect with Derek Carr. That was, that was more expected with them having that connection prior. Uh, but specifically Tua and Tyree kill, we talked about it in the preseason in that one preseason game where the Miami dolphins came out firing and where you were like, okay, this team actually can be something i know it's preseason but something in this game told me or told you at the time that this dolphins offense can be legit and i think we saw tyreek hill led all receivers uh for the dolphins uh in terms of targets he dominated for them jalen waddle was also there he got a touchdown in that game um but we're just seeing these these wide receivers already make an impact for these uh for their new quarterbacks and three of the quarterbacks are on the younger side of things when you look at it. Tyreek Hill is linked with Tua. Christian Kirk is linked with Trevor. And A.J. Brown is linked with Jalen Hurts. Like, these new wide receivers are already paying dividends for these new young quarterbacks. And I think that's probably my biggest takeaway um, from week one is that I think they're going to be game changers all season long for these teams. Yeah, receiver plays was really good. Um, 
I, I didn't love I, I don't love the the tunnel vision that I'm seeing from quarterbacks though. I feel like some of these guys are being force fed the ball. If you look at the targets, the the there is something to be said about the way that Patrick Mahomes looked last night. And we 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 are going to talk about this later when we get to the Chiefs. But the way the ball was spread around, I, I really enjoyed that style of football. It's really hard to defend. And some of the teams that force fed the ball to two players, um, especially like the Raiders force fed Devontae Adams, 17 targets like that can't happen. I, I love Devontae Adams and I love that he's getting peppered with targets, but there has to be some something else. Otherwise, teams are going to are going to be able to beat you. And I thought that was a lot of the Raiders problem yesterday. I, th- I thought they made too much of a concerted effort to get him the ball. Uh, Justin Jefferson didn't really. I don't want to say he didn't have the the same targets. He just was, you know, really good with it, efficient with with his catches. Uh, but again, AJ Brown, same thing. I thought that Jalen Hurts just didn't pay enough attention to Devonta Smith and some of those other weapons that oh, I yeah. think he, <laughs> uh, that, that I think could have been invo- involved. I mean, uh, thirteen targets. The next closest was four in Dallas Goddard. Devonta Smith got four targets. I I think that has to change or you're going to find yourself struggling throughout the season. So I know it's week one and I am super excited about all those players, but I worry about the, the tunnel vision, almost trying to make a point uh, to get certain guys, the ball um, despite, you know, when, when other guys are open. So a, a little bit of concern there, Christian Kirk, I thought had a really good day with his 12 targets, uh, but there were some other guys on Jacksonville that got some targets that I, that I liked as well. Zay Jones actually um, looked pretty good I, in, in hmm. go ahead. I didn't like I didn't like the the some of the targets that Zay Jones was receiving to be completely honest, but that'll we'll get it. I I thought in in key situations I would have liked to not see the ball thrown to Zay Jones because he I thought makes he didn't make some plays that I thought if you would have given it to like a Christian Kirk, but obviously that's like that is yeah it doesn't work that way it's hard it's hard to say that because like christian kirk if he was good if he was that good he would have been open and i digress we'll talk about the the jaguars commanders game in a little bit um but you were high on christian kirk coming into the season and in terms of fantasy i think all of these all four of these new faces are um are killing it and i think a big fantasy takeaway just to wrap it up and put a bow on this this part is that trust in your studs okay trust in them no matter what don't don't panic don't worry about these get like coming into week one i know like we were saying like let it be week one and you're trying to figure out who is going to perform that's over with like james robinson came back and he was that dude all these new wide receivers in their new systems they were all like they were all great you didn't have to worry about them um i think it's i think it's big uh, for those guys, let's take a look at the top performers uh, this past week, uh, this Sunday, I should say. You look at Patrick Mahomes, 360 yards, five touchdowns in the game against Arizona, an absolute ass whooping against the Cardinals. Uh, Justin Jefferson, we just talked about uh, with 184 yards and two tutties, he dominated. Even his first half was just ridiculous uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Let me just check what that what that first half was. Uh, Justin Jefferson's first half, six receptions, 158 yards, 
and two touchdowns there. Uh, he is arguably one of the best players from this week's action. Uh, then you look at AJ Brown's 155 yards and throw, throw in some defense, some love. Minka Fitzpatrick was a game changer in that Cincinnati Bengals Steelers game, uh, including an interception that he took to the house for a pick six. Uh, these are our, these are my top performers as an overall. This is a sack city top performers here. Aaron, did you have one specific top performer from this week that you want to mention? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. We're not going to give the running backs no love. Hey man. I just want, I just thought that although that the two wide receivers had some good days and I just, I, just, I, I noticed everybody in there was all winning teams. So I won't go too crazy by picking a running back on a losing team, but Jonathan Taylor, you got to give credit to, he did it again, 31 carries, 161 yards and a Teddy. So um, really impressed with that. And it's not that he had 31 carries guys. I get everybody say, oh, well, they're doing it again. Matt Ryan also threw the ball 50 times. That was weird. They ran 81 plays. They had the ball a ton in that game. Um, So I don't want people to think it was, oh, Jonathan Taylor again. They're just leaning on. No, Matt Ryan threw the ball 50 times, and he ran 31 times. So um, it was was just a lot of volume there for that offense, and uh, they just couldn't get in the end zone, couldn't really find ways to score points, a lot of mistakes. But Jonathan Taylor uh, had a really nice day there. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 when we get into that game later, I did, I did, I did have that noted that it was such a weird game that you saw Matt Ryan throw so many times and Jonathan Taylor run so many times, um, which was very interesting to me. Uh, shout out! I got to give a shout out to Pops, Pops in the chat. Shout out, Pops in the chat, uh, and everyone watching at home. If you're live watching us, uh, don't forget to comment. Let us know uh, what you think of the show, and we love to interact with everybody. So please drop your comments in the chat, Aaron. When there's some highs, there's some lows, some low lows. You already mentioned something that really brought you down uh, at the top of this segment. What was your biggest disappointment uh, from week one? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of disappointments. I can go a lot of different ways. I'm going to go with something that I spoke about um, kind of in the in the preseason about, about a team especially – um, it was the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm going to, this is kind of twofold, the big, as far as biggest disappointment, because they got the win. So anytime you win in the NFL, congratulations, it's hard to win in the NFL, but there's two things that I was concerned about going into this season with Philly and both reared its ugly head and almost cost them a game. Number one, it was their defense. They gave 35 points to the Detroit lions and the lions ran all over them. They had 181 yards rushing. Um, that defense is still a problem. I uh, like I told you guys that this I want to see it. They that defense is a problem and they had a pick six, which was great, but they could not stop Detroit. And that's with Jared Goff playing like absolute dog crap in the first half. Um, They could not stop them. That was very, very concerning for me. Even when they got the big lead, they still allowed them to keep coming back in the game. Every quarter Detroit scored. It was touchdowns, not field goals. They couldn't stop them in the red zone. That to me, that was a huge issue. Um, nine for 14 on third down. I could go into the numbers, but it was just defense wasn't very good. Uh, the second part to that is the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, and he is dynamic and he, they can score with the best of them, but he was inaccurate again. And again, just too many times in the game, there was a disconnect between him and his receivers. And if it wasn't for AJ Brown and how good AJ Brown really is, 
they would have struggled mightily on the offensive side of the football when it came to Jalen Hurts completing passes. So I worry about that accuracy, um, barely over 50% completion percentage again. These are the concerns that I had in the long term. I still have them after week one against a Detroit defense. That's not good. Just to be honest, yeah. they're not good. No, no, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. I think I think in, in that game in particular, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, is the is just the fact that this Lions team is just going to be hard to play against every week. Like they're going to be fighting every week. But if you're a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, you have to be able to put those type of teams away. Like, like that, like we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and especially now with Dak Prescott being out, this is pro this is the favorite in the NFC East. Like this is it. And as a team like that, who's going to be potentially playoff bound, you have to be able to take down these teams. And obviously they still got the win and a win is a win, but you have to be able to shut teams down because you're not going to be able to score 38 points every game against some of these better defenses because you're not going to be playing the Lions defense every week. Um, I, again, yeah, multiple, I do like multiple times they were up by double digits 21 7, 38 21. Like they were up by 17 points, 14 points, and they just kept blowing leads. Yeah. Yeah. And they have, they'll, they'll have to figure that out. And I just, I, I do love the heart of the Detroit Lions, but uh, we'll talk about that when we recap that game. Uh, shout out Robert dropping the love for Trayvon Walker and then go dogs. That's a your, that's a you thing. That, that's a you thing with the go dogs part. Um, <laughs> I told hey, you, Trayvon Walker is different, brother. When you talk about that, that's why you take him. That athleticism, the plays yep. he made yesterday, the things he could do. That's yep. why. That's why he's the number one overall pick. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to talk about him when we talk about the Jags game. Uh, my my biggest disappointment in this game, or not in this game, I should say, from week one, is the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. And really, it's I could I could say it's the Cincinnati Bengals as a whole because obviously losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week One after coming off of a Cinderella season last year where they went to the Super Bowl and everyone's high on Joe Burrow, everyone's high on this offense, saying they're going to be this and that. They lost twenty three to twenty to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who starting a new quarterback. And I'm not saying the Pittsburgh Steelers are a bad team. But the Bengals are supposed to be better than that as well. And you look at what the Steelers defense was able to do against the Bengals uh, yesterday. Seven sacks, five takeaways, uh, four interceptions on Joe Burrow. Like it was not a good game for the Cincinnati Bengals offense as a whole, especially allowing seven sacks to the Steelers defense. Although the Steelers defense is no joke and they're, they've got a great pass rush, including TJ Watt. You bolstered this offensive line in the offseason. You went out and you got an Alex Kappa. You went out and you got a Lyle Collins. You went out and made those those changes. And I and I was excited for that. I was hyped around that. When they, when they were doing that, I was like, man, this Cincinnati Bengals team seems like they have assessed them. They've saw the problem. They've recognized the problem. They have to protect their franchise investment. They went out and did that. They went out and paid those guys. And in this first game, you allow seven sacks to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I get it. TJ Watt, good pass rush. Like, I get it. But you have to fit. Like, there's going to be great pass rushes that you're going to have to see on the road to on the road, road to your Super Bowl. You, and, and you're just going to – this seven sacks, like, it's not It's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get any easier for this team. They, they have to figure out how to protect Joe Burrow. And then also the turnovers. Like, not good. And the turnovers, I think, stemmed from the pass rush. 
Like it, it stemmed from all that pressure that Joe Burrow was getting. I mean, you look at the pressures. I mean, 14 double-digit pressures for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got to Joe Burrow. They got to his head. They got to his mental. They got to everything that the Cincinnati Bengals were doing. Uh, it sealed the deal for the Pittsburgh Steelers win. But I think my biggest disappointment is this Cincinnati Bengals offense. And sure, Jamar Chase did what he does. And that's it's great. Tyler Boyd stepped up for T Higgins. Sure. Great. But I don't like what I saw from the defending AFC champions in week one. Can, can I say something about week one? And this is not, and I don't know the exact numbers and maybe I'm missing something or I didn't pay attention to all of the early preseason and stuff, but um, I'm going to say this again, the teams that played their starters, some in preseason looked a lot better than the teams that didn't. And I'm, I'm watching my own game last night, the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott played zero snaps in the preseason. Zeke zero snaps. Zeke actually looked pretty good, but as an offense, they played zero snaps. What did they look like? They looked like crap. Um, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady missed half a training camp. Did only played one series in preseason. That offense did not look great for, for the course of the, they couldn't get in the end zone. They, they had, they made some mistakes as well. Um, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, they had a connection. Devontae Adams looked great, but overall their offense did not look that great and they did not play in the preseason. Cincinnati, Joe Burrow did not play in the preseason. You know who played in the preseason? The Pittsburgh Steelers. They played, they played everybody. They were like, we're going to play and we're going to win. You know who played in the preseason? Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Like these guys, you know who didn't play in the preseason? Kyler Murray. How did they look? These preseason yeah. games matter. Like I, we can talk about injuries. We could talk about, oh, we don't care. They matter to an extent. I'm not saying you have to go out and play in all of them or the entire game. But there is something on the offensive side of the football that requires rhythm and timing. Ask the Green Bay Packers who couldn't move the ball and had no chemistry with Aaron Rodgers and his receivers. It, it, it matters. You have to play yeah. in the preseason, including the Saints. Saints offense looked like crap to start the game. They just got fortunate. They played a really crappy team. But you know who looks good? A- Atlanta. Atlanta's Atlanta, offense yeah. looked good. But why? Because they played in the preseason and they knew what they were doing. This is a problem in the NFL, and these good teams think they can just go in there, or not even good teams, these middle-of-the-road teams think that they can just go in there and turn a switch. It does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. It was so disappointing to watch some of that offensive football yesterday. Um, the offenses were far behind the defenses, yeah. even despite some of the high-scoring games. And, and I just thought that, that that did stick out to me, and I thought that was a big deal. I think it was definitely all those teams that didn't play in the preseason versus all the teams that did I think everything was so much cleaner too. Like it was just, it was clean performances from those teams that had the reps. I mean, I, 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 I although like Mitch Trubisky and the and company didn't have like a phenomenal offensive production, like Mitch Trubisky was, what was his stat line? He was effective enough. He, exactly. He was, he was 21 of 38, 194 yards and a touchdown, no turnovers. He was only sacked once. Like it's noticeable. It's noticeable. And I think as a whole, the NFL has to figure something out in terms of how to get teams to either not play any preseason games at all, or have teams play preseason games and, or, or maybe put a little bit more urgency. That's up to the teams. And, And to be honest, like those teams, that's, that's why some of the teams that aren't very good had good performances yesterday. The Houston Texans, the Chicago bears, the Detroit lions, those teams are young. 
the Jacksonville, like they, they all played in the preseason trying to get their guys going. And so they're young early in the season. You will see that success. Now you're going to see green Bay and then they're going to get better. Like all those, I'm not yeah. concerned about those teams by week four, week five, they'll probably be blowing out the teams that they would have lost to week one. But that is the reason why. And in the NFL, you can't just give games away. You can't give week one away. It's such a short season that you need that for the, either the playoffs or home field advantage. It all matters. Yeah. And so I just thought there were a lot of teams that gave games away yesterday because it was early in the season and they did not have, they weren't ready to come into the, the regular season to actually play. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. And that's kind of what I'm going to wrap this up on is the fact that yesterday, like we saw this, this honestly is one of my other big takeaways is that there's not that many easy wins anymore in the nfl like i was talking to i, I was talking Unless to our quarterback joe flacco well that too but also i i think that well i mean even even the ravens they didn't the ravens didn't have a phenomenal performance against the jets defense so like you think when zach wilson gets back they'll be tougher to play against as well so it's like i, I was saying this yesterday like with dak prescott being out their remaining game, their upcoming games with Dak Prescott potentially being out. You got the Giants on there. You got the Lions on there. You got the Commanders on there. All three of those teams are tough to play against. Like the Lions basically was going to put a put a dogfight on with with the Philadelphia Eagles and put up 35 points with Jared Goff as their quarterback. So like that's not an easy win. You know, Dan Campbell's not going to just roll over for four teams. The Giants yesterday beat the Tennessee Titans. And although we're not high on the Tennessee Titans, that's still a big win for a team that, I mean, we're talking about being at the bottom of the league. Like there's just no easy wins anymore in the NFL. I feel like, I mean, maybe week by, maybe this is a week to week thing. And like, you'll start seeing easier wins, but I just, I think the NFL, the parody around the league is just getting better and better. And we're seeing more and more teams, uh, step up to the plate and say, okay, we're not going to be an easy win anymore. That does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again live at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube at the Sac City Pod. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media page, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Tickety Talk for the best social media content in the world. In the world. Whew. Football's here, boys. Football's here. All right. Goodbye. How was that for some top-tier NFL content? If you enjoyed that episode, go ahead and hit that follow button before you go. And don't forget to check us out on your favorite social media platform at Sac City Pod. Welcome to the city.